Louder, what do you got? I'm um, no, there's well, no louder today. My bad. I'm so used to saying that. Lindsay, what do you got? Nada, George. No tengo nada. Oh, look at you, Briones. <laughs> All right. So what I've got, what Lindsay's got here, is if you're looking for some frightening fun this Halloween, you can visit the Los Angeles Haunted Hayride in Griffith Park for some spooks. The famed SoCal attraction is back with all new scares starting today, and it's going to run through Halloween. If you're brave enough, you can hop on a wagon and visit Midnight Falls, a town under the spell of the Witch of the Woods. The event also includes several other experiences, including haunted houses and a town square full of other what they're calling ghoulish delights. Don't know what that means. Tickets can be purchased online at LosAngelesHauntedHayRide.com. And the attraction's open to all ages, but it's probably too scary for children under 12. Is this something you guys would go to? I, and I can't because I got kids that are too young. Um, oh yeah. And uh, but you know when they're older, I would I would give it a shot. Oh man, um, I'd love to go to something like this. This is awesome. I love haunted houses. The only thing is, when the actors who are playing the haunted characters just get a little too close into your personal space, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, I would imagine COVID, they're not going to do that. Is yeah. my guess. Mm. Maybe they well, they'll all be masks wearing under masks. masks. Yeah, masks under the masks for sure. That would be funny, actually. Yeah, that maybe that'll be the way they do it. But I love um, haunted houses. But I'm with you normally. There is that intrusion in those scenarios. Like, um, get just get the hell away from me. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, bro, to me, you're freaking me out. Back up. Yeah, bro. but they're supposed to do that. They're supposed to get too close and freak you out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but they always tell you they're like, "Hey, don't touch anybody." They, like you or me, the patron. Like, don't touch anybody. I'm like, oh, I don't want to touch anybody. But I also don't really want to be touched. And then it's like, ah! Like, Keep your hands to yourself. To yeah, yeah you get, too, get too close. I agree. Yeah. But they're still fun. I know they are. George, let me tell you something. When your kids are a little older, you're going to love this stuff. I'm telling you right now, today's Friday afternoon, uh, going into this weekend, and uh, I got a soccer game for my daughter tonight, a college soccer game. I haven't seen this child, young woman, play soccer in almost two years due to COVID and everything else. And then my son, tomorrow night, has a college football game. I'll be up in Mission Viejo. This is the greatest thing. When you're, when you're a sports parent, and I don't care if your kids are playing Little League Baseball, rec soccer, all the way up through college sports. And, man, if you're lucky enough that your kids wind up becoming pro athletes, good for you. But just watching your kids out there playing sports, having fun. As the kids get older, George, that is going to be the greatest pleasure of your life. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it'll be awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely not happening now. They're, they're already chicken bleeps already as it is at this age. So, <laughs> um, all right. nice. that, that is, uh, what you need to know brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times, less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Um, all right. So here's the deal. Let's do the, uh, do you want to do the upset special here? Do you want to get into the Dodgers here? Dealer's choice, Kaplan. I will take the upset special because I'm pretty excited about my pick. And I think I'm going to nail this one. I think I'm going to nail this upset. Now, this may or may not have happened, but I talked to Christopher earlier, Brionis. Did he create some sort of stager for this, the upset special? Honestly, I don't see one, so. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's fine. Uh, so, basically, every week we're going to do an upset special, uh, an underdog team in the football slate, Saturday or Sunday, that you feel can win outright. Uh, Kaplan, where are you going to go? I'm going to go to college football. George, and I'm going to stay in the Pac-12, and I'm going to bring it real local, okay? Okay. Here goes. Mm -hmm. UCLA against Stanford this Mm -hmm. weekend. Yeah. Okay? Now, a couple weeks ago, you and I were at Black Gold Golf Course, and I was saying, hey, SC, 
The kind of player that SC recruits is a completely different kind of player than Stanford recruits. And in theory and on paper, SC is supposed to destroy a school like Stanford. Well, we know what happened. Stanford won. SC fired their coach. And we've been arguing about it ever since. But UCLA, the shocking loss last week against Fresno State, after there's so much, uh, everybody's buying in to UCLA to the point where they got up to number 13 in the country. Well, now they're number 24. Two and one UCLA at two and one Stanford. Now, you ready for this? UCLA is a four point favorite. I'm taking Stanford to win outright over UCLA. What do you think about that, George Sedano? I mean, I don't think it's impossible. Uh, I mean, the uh, the kid Tanner McKee, who uh, is playing quarterback for Stanford, is pretty good. Um, I, I'm actually stunned that he didn't play beforehand, uh, to be frank with you. They went with this Jack West kid, and they were splitting that first game against Kansas State. And he's good. Like, I think he can be a good player. Um, and, and look, Stanford's not going to make mistakes, right? That's just kind of how they play football. They play very close to the vest. Um, and by the way, UCLA is not a team um, that is built to blow your doors off, per se. I, I don't believe. Um, their offense has been a little more conservative this year, and when they've had some success, they have been a great team that running the ball uh, with Charbonnet and company. But, I, I, you know, Stanford, to me, I, I think people were judging them a little too quickly and a little too harshly after the week one loss at Kansas State. I don't think that... Uh, Coach Shaw's gonna ever gonna make that mistake again because I again he it sounded like he realized having two quarterbacks is having none. So I I don't think it's crazy. Um, I mean I I still like UCLA to win that game, um, but I do believe that if I were betting, if I were gonna bet the game, I'd bet Stanford plus the points. Yeah, so I yeah. I wouldn't be I'm not too far from you. Well, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why I'm taking Stanford. It's not just that Stanford beat SC and that UCLA lost last week against Fresno State. UCLA started the season off 1-2-3, Hawaii, LSU, and Fresno all at home. So this is UCLA's first road game of the season, and they're a road favorite coming off a loss against Fresno State. With all of that, I'm taking Stanford to win. Yeah. Um, Oh, wait a second. Now, I did not know this. Uh, according to the Stanford Daily, Stan- starters suddenly out, Stanford to face UCLA shorthanded. Uh, let me see how many players they're going to miss. See if you want to take this one back. No, I'm staying with it. I'm staying with it no matter what. It, again, I'm, I'm playing this whole three games at home, coming off a devastating loss, traveling on the road, playing inside the conference. I'm sticking with Stanford no matter who's playing and who's not playing. I'm sticking with my pick. Junior running back Austin Jones, sophomore running backs Casey Filkins and EJ Smith. Wow. So three of their four running backs are out of the ones that have played. And fifth-year safety Noah Williams has been ruled out for Saturday's game. Okay. I'm sticking with it. Now, I've given you Stanford as my upset special of the week. They're getting four points. Mm -hmm. I'm picking them to win outright. Tell me who you got. Give me your upset special. Yeah. By the way, thank you, Steve, for sending that uh, via Twitter just a few moments ago. Nice thank job, you so Steve. much for, for sending that. Um, so I'm also going to look at a game that is a four-point spread, but this in the NFL. And I've already kind of alluded to this, where I, I've already told you guys where I'm, where, what side I'm on from a gambling perspective. And when we do our picks against the spread uh, competition at 615, I will elaborate further. But um, 
Well, not really, because we'll be doing it quickly because there's five games. But so let me elaborate here, actually, rather. I think the Dolphins not only are going to cover the four, I think they're going to win in Las Vegas. Because here, here's what's happening. Look, man, we've seen this in the NFL way too many times, okay? Where this game that everybody thinks, oh, there's no way this team's going to lose. All the chips are stacked up against the one team. There's this overreaction from week to week in the NFL, um, particularly from a gambling perspective. So I like the Dolphins to cover for sure. It is going to be one of my top plays this weekend when we do our picks against the spread segment. But I'm thinking, you know what? If I'm thinking they're going to be that close within a score, basically, like, why not make them my upset special? I believe that Jacoby Brissett is an NFL-caliber quarterback. He was, you know, I know he was 7-8 and eight one year with the Colts, but that was a bad Colts team uh, that year, and he got them, you know, within striking distance of winning the division in the AFC South that year. And he threw 18 touchdowns, only six picks. He doesn't make mistakes. So the Dolphins' offensive line is terrible, but he's really big and really mobile. So I, I think having the opportunity to get all the practice reps, right, with a team that has a great defense, and I know they got blown out 35 nothing last week, but that was a lot because the offense couldn't do squat. Like, that defense is still really good. Um, and the Raiders like to play with heavy sets and bunch formations. And, yeah, they've gone more down the field to rugs and whatnot, but there's they play the least amount, if I recall correctly, of three wide-out sets so far in the NFL. And I think with the Dolphins, you need to spread them out because I think beyond their first two cornerbacks, that's where they can get into some trouble. But if you give them only two receivers, then their two corners are really damn good. Like, Xavier Howard is an NFL Defensive Player of the Year candidate. So I like the Dolphins to not only – I like them to cover, clearly, but I like them to pull off the upset here. If the Dolphins go on the road – and beat the Raiders in Las Vegas. Everything that the Raiders have done in the first two weeks gets thrown right out the window. Yep, yep. Because the Raiders, super impressive against Baltimore. And again, they just kind of barely got by, but it was a dramatic win, an overtime win. And then Baltimore goes on the following week to beat Kansas City. They go on the road and beat Pittsburgh, who earlier this season, week one, Pittsburgh had gone on the road and beat Buffalo. So, the Raiders at 2-0, and we talked about this as the week has gone on, are, are for many of us, the most impressive 2-0 and team in the NFL. If the Raiders lose at home to the Dolphins with a backup quarterback, a career backup quarterback, everything they've done in the first two weeks goes out the window, and rather than being in my top five in the power rankings next week, I'll tell you right now, the Raiders will move all the way down into the bottom five. You've got to win these kinds of games at home. You have a team that's traveling cross-country with a backup quarterback, and you're home, you have to win. Now, again, but how many times have you seen in the NFL where everybody's like, oh, this one's easy, the Raiders, no problem, and then the other team wins? It happens every week in the NFL. Yep, it is a week-to-week league. I know that's a cliche nowadays, but it does happen. It happens a lot. But if the Raiders want to be taken seriously, no, I get it. You got to win these kinds of games at home. And we'll see. We'll see if they're if they are to be taken seriously. So there you have it. All right, coming up next, the Dodgers, their historic season. Whew! But there's a lot at stake here over these next couple of days. We'll tell you what exactly here uh, and where they stand historically, considering where all this is going at the moment. 
uh, and where it could potentially be headed. So we'll get to all that stuff coming up in just a moment. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Oh, yeah. little Friday music. They definitely play this at Acapulco in Downey. Hey. <laughs> you know how that goes. Hey, hey. That's why I met Brenda. I know. I know. That's why I brought it up. Wait a second. Did you really meet your significant other at Acapulco in Downey? Yeah, but it's deeper than just the Acapulco. What do you mean? He's got a whole story. Behind yeah, go ahead. Tell the story. I mean, go ahead. He doesn't know. Uh, well, it was uh, through my cousins. Two of my cousins were celebrating their birthday there. And out of the blue, they just text me like, hey, you want to come to Acapulco? I got a couple of friends here. And me and my brother show up. And the first thing, you know, my cousin does is like, yeah, I want you to meet a friend of mine. Takes me to Brenda. Here, you guys should go dance together. We danced the night off. We drink. And um, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great, man. And that's yeah. in a nutshell, yeah. Buenas noches in Acapulco. Uh, so Downey. <laughs> <laughs> Downey's a different place, bro, for sure. Uh, so, now, Dodger Stadium is a different place, okay, come the postseason. It has been uh, a place where the Dodgers have had uh, a lot of success uh, recently. And the Dodgers had a lot of success in general in the regular season recently. And the Dodgers right now, Kaplan, are on a 104-win pace, okay? And if whoever loses the division, all right, that would be the most of any second-place finisher since the wild-card format was introduced in 1995. Like, it's, it's kind of insane how well these two teams are playing right now. And I, I, I don't even know like what it would feel like if the Dodgers found themselves in this wild card game and somehow lost, which by the way, the Cardinals have won 13 straight now. And they yeah, had a, we, we had a whole conversation about this yesterday. This, this like feeling of, Hey, the Dodgers, you know, they've got Scherzer. And so in a one game playoff, I'm feeling really good, of course, but it's such a, a coin toss, you know? I mean, it's just, what if, if the Dodgers played the Cardinals, who, as you just mentioned, they, they're on this incredibly hot streak, and they lost, Dodger fans would lose their minds that it's just not fair. How can we win 104 games in a regular season and it all comes down to one game? It's just not fair. Now, if the Dodgers win, of course, it's completely fair. But it's, it's nerve-wracking, George. But, but here's what I would say. So there have been three 100-win teams in the wild card historically, okay? It was the 2018 Yankees and um, the uh, – The Oakland A's, I think. Oakland I A's, yes, yeah. the Oakland A's. Now, interestingly enough, um, it was the 2001 Oakland A's, okay? But the, the Yankees in 2018 were in the one-game playoff. And they played a hot, surging Oakland team and won, and then they got crushed by the uh, the Red Sox in the ALDS, okay? Then that Oakland team lost in five games to the Yankees, 
in 2001. That was the Derek Jeter play where he flipped the ball mm-hmm. or whatever yep. the hell. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they would be – I mean, the Dodgers would be – if they hit that 104 mark that they're on pace for right now and they didn't win the division, it would, you'd have to go back to 1993. So you'd have to go back almost 30 years where a team won that many games and – and did not win the division. And by the way, it was the Giants, coincidentally enough. Well, you brought up a, an interesting stat yesterday that from, I want to say, like early August, you had the Dodgers record. And whatever it was, I'm, I'm going to estimate here, but it was like 35-10 and 10 since early August. And the Giants, since that same period of time, were like 34-11. and 11. So the Dodgers, who were on absolute fire they were trying to catch up to the giants who essentially kept pace and they were the ones that already had the lead so what's so interesting about what has happened here as we as we head into the final nine games of the regular season is that the dodgers have played so well for this extended period of time but the team that was in front of them when they went on this tear has been on an equal to tear the difference literally is one game. The Dodgers have won one more game than the Giants. Do you remember that exact date, George? I mean, it was just early August. I'm estimating here. Uh, it was August 1st. They've they've gone 34-12 and 12 since August 1st, and they've only made up one game. Yeah. Uh, when I said early August, I was really being very literal. It was August 1st is what I meant. Yeah. So, look, it's amazing, isn't it? Because nobody really thought the Giants were a threat at the beginning of this season, and they've been incredible. And if they wind up winning this division, which, you know, there's a one-game lead, there's nine games to go, and I say the Dodgers have the much tougher schedule. If you look around at what the Giants have, you know, they've got Arizona, Colorado, and San Diego. So they've got uh, Colorado this weekend, which which we've talked about yesterday. Colorado actually has a good home record, an awful road record, but they're dangerous at home, Colorado. So San Francisco's got this tough series. But then the Dodgers, the last three games, They've got to play Milwaukee, and Milwaukee's a really good team. Now, granted, St. Louis just swept them, but they're the hottest team in baseball. So I just look at the last nine games, and I really think the Dodgers have the tougher of the nine than San Francisco does, and nobody seems to want to give an inch. So if the Dodgers wind up going in and have to play the one-game playoff. The Dodgers have to go like 7-2, and though, to probably force the one-game playoff. Well... I mean, we're kind of estimating what the Dodgers need to do, but, I mean, like we're just saying, since August 1st, the Dodgers have actually won one, only one more game than the Giants have, and they still find themselves one game back right, in the but division that, race. That, so, of the nine games left, you got to go, at the very least, 7-2, and two, you have to assume. Right, but again, if San Francisco goes 7-2... and two, Then you're screwed. Right. Right, but I, I'm just looking at the bare minimum situation. For the Dodgers, which is why I've been saying rest Bueller and Udias and just pitch someone else. And if you win, you win. And if you lose, you lose. But you got those guys ready because you're going to be in the playoffs no matter what. The playoffs, no matter what, it just will probably be a one game scenario. And you're so loaded with arms anyway. You may end up winning anyhow because you and also you have a great lineup. So it's not like you're not hitting. Did you happen to see yesterday? The Dodgers get done with the game. Yeah. And then the pictures that these guys all took. Yeah, and they dressed costumes. up in, like, uh, like 
motorcycle looking gear or whatever? The biker gear yeah. was freaking hilarious. You had Julio Urias. You had, by the way, how do you like the way I'm using the pronunciation today? Yeah, nice job. Pretty good, right? Much better than yesterday. You have Clayton Kershaw. You got Scherzer, who's got on this like American flag, like biker kind of cap, who just doesn't really look like he's enjoying this. Like, yeah. okay, I got traded to the Dodgers. This is the team tradition. They're making me do this. And you got Bueller, who's got on one of those like eggshell helmets. Now, people saw the Dodger pitchers in their costumes, and people obviously ridicule them for it, but it's just funny stuff. I thought it was hilarious. Did you see what the Giants did? I don't know what their team tradition is, but they also dressed up like sa- like they dressed up in costumes, and they were dressed up like sailors, like they were going to a yacht rock concert, standing on the uh, on a out in front of an airplane on the stairwell to go up into the airplane. Did you happen to see that picture? I did. Yes, I saw. What both. the hell are they doing? Like the I Dodger mean, listen, guys came off. I gotta admit, the Dodger guys came off looking cool. Like, hey, we're dressed like you know bikers. This is kind of cool. I don't know, man. The Giants guys, what were they wearing? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't, I mean, well, you know, San Francisco, the Bay, um, you know, there's probably plenty of sailors there is my guess. I don't know. I'm assuming. Well, you know, typically in the last road trip of the MLB season, the rookies have to dress up in an embarrassing costume. Mm-hmm. Now, some, some of the teams, like, they'll all do it, but – Usually it's the veterans that pick out embarrassing, weird, goofy costumes for the rookies and the younger guys that they have to wear. And it's just like a, you know, like an initiation type of thing that they do every year on the last road trip. Right. No, of course. But th- this is like the starters doing this, the rotation guys, which is a little. That's what I'm saying. Like they're they're like in on the fun when it's not like an, a super embarrassing outfit. But, <laughs> you know, but. It's fun to look at all the teams and see what they dress and they make the players dress up as on the last week. But, yeah, I think it's weird that everyone did it. And Max Scherzer, by the way, added this apparently uh, last night where he said, hey, you know, I'm not a real big scoreboard watcher. Trey and I, Trey Turner, who came with him in the trade, have joked these guys, as in the current guys on that squad that, you know, before they got there, have no idea what it's like to be in second place. Because you're right. The Dodgers have been in first place for nine years, it feels mm-hmm. like. It, like yeah. not even, it, that's not even an exaggeration. Uh, for us, we just know to keep our nose in the dirt and keep going forward. So, it, I mean, those two guys are definitely used to trying to grind out the season until the end. But the Dodgers, for the most part, have had it fairly easy like down the stretch because they've right. controlled the division. Because so. in the last few years, let's face it, you know, San Francisco, this is not – the Buster Posey win three out of uh, three World Series over the course of six seasons. This is a different San Francisco Giants team since they won their third World Series, and they haven't really posed much of a threat since Bruce Bochy took off as manager. And the Padres have never really posed a threat, and they only did through a 60-game season last year, and they only did until the All-Star break this year. And Arizona and Colorado, they don't really, really pose a threat. So the Dodgers, to your point, They've owned this division. But San Francisco has shocked the world and come from virtually out of nowhere to be leading this division practically all season long. And even when the Dodgers just got that sniff, when they had that half-game lead, it was not long thereafter that they had to go play the Giants and head-to-head they lost that series and the Giants took, you know, took control. But I'm telling you, George, with, with one game back, and nine games to go, if I'm Dave Roberts, and by the way, if, if I know Dave Roberts the way I think I do, he's going for the division win 
There's nobody inside the Dodgers that's going to say, nah, we're going to sit Urias, we're going to sit Bueller, we're going to sit those guys. Now, if they're, if they're not right, they're not healthy, it's a little different story. But if those guys are asked and they go, hey, what do you think, man? Can you go? You feeling good? You, you feeling rested? You feel all right? You got treatment in the last five days? If they say I'm ready to go, I'm pitching those guys. I'm trying to win the division. We'll see, man. I, I, I believe that you just go into it, give those guys rest because they need it. So speaking of needing it, it's, uh, it's 530 almost, which means it's happy hour somewhere. So before we do Radio Tinder, which is coming up on the other side in about two and a half minutes. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, Linz, let it rip. All right, guys. So, oh, sorry, my page froze again. Well, as you know, it's Friday. It's just we're all just off to a great start. All right. So a recent study by Eat This, Not That attempted to settle a long debated fact about fast food. Which fast food joint holds the title for the best fries? Well, they narrowed their testing down to seven fast food places that they thought were the most popular and that would reach a national audience. Here is their list. Coming in at number seven, Burger King's fries. Number six, Wendy's. Five, Chick-fil-A. Four, Five Guys. Three, Arby's. Two, McDonald's. And number one, the best fries are supposedly Shake Shack. Do you agree with their findings? Or at least their top three. Swipe left or swipe right. Cap. I'm going to swipe left. So... I can't remember. Can anybody here remember the last time they went to a Burger King? I, I honestly, I can't remember the last time I went. It's been a long time. They used to have Probably a chicken a sandwich that was kind of a long version of a chicken sandwich, which was really good because it had just a little light spread of mayonnaise and then some shredded lettuce. Really good, but I haven't been in a long time. I think Wendy's fries at number six are way too low. Who did you have at five? I can't read my own handwriting. I can just read the, the whole list again real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number seven, it goes... From worst to best, Burger King, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, Five Guys, Arby's, McDonald's, Shake Shack. Okay, so l- mm. let's start here. So um, say, let's go one by one. Sam again, go. All right, Burger King. Burger King, fries stink. Yeah, I'm not, I, again, I haven't been there in so long, I can't even remember. Keep going. No, they stink. They changed them like 17 times. They stink. Oh, really? All right, yes. keep All going. Right. Number five, Chick-fil-A. No, no, you got to go to six. We, Wendy's. Wendy's has good Wendy's, fries. I actually think, is pretty good. They have the sea salt. Their fries have gotten better. They're a little thicker cut. Right. Over the years, they've gotten way better. Right. I like Wendy's fries. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Five is Chick-fil-A. With Chris Chick-fil-A fries, fries, the waffle fries are pretty solid. A lot of potato 
for me, but every once in a while, it's okay to have a few. <laughs> you, you know what, though? The problem with the Chick-fil-A fries, they're very floppy. They're a very floppy fry. Does everybody know what I'm talking about here? Yeah, they yeah, get, they, they, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're just they're, they're like not too crispy. They're like floppy in the middle. Yeah, I'm not they're, into They're it. doughy. They're potato-y. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, what's next? Arby's. Or no, no, no. Arby's, the curly fries. Curly fries pretty good, and they're like seasoned curly fries. Yes, I think Arby's right. fries are good. I and like I don't like too. Arby's, you know, where they have the meat. But yeah. or the meats, but the fries are not bad. I haven't been to an Arby's in a really long time, but I'll tell you something right now. You give me one of those onion rolls with a roast beef and uh, and that cheese spread stuff all over it, I will crush those cheese things sauce. right now. <laughs> all right, then Five Guys. Five Guys are the oh the crinkly fries. Now those aren't good at all, actually. I don't like those at all. I don't know. Five Guys got a good hot dog, and I don't really eat hot dogs, but when I go to Five <laughs> Guys, I like the way they butter. You're the only person that goes to Five Guys for the hot dog. I swear I to God. Know, man. I they mean, got, they sell them. I mean, like my five, year, my seven year old, she goes to the hot, when we go to Five Guys, she wants the uh, the hot dog. You know I get I mean? one for an appetizer. Oh no, Five Guys. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Shake Shack. Five Guys. Yeah, the fries are okay. They're too greasy for me. Um, too greasy. They're thick cut. They're like from made from potatoes, yes. similar to Wendy's, but more greasy. I feel right. like they they're, use peanut oil greasy. though, right? In yeah, but it just tastes too grease. soggy to me mostly. Right, they're they, floppy. They throw they're them, floppy fries, and they throw them together in like a brown bag. There's too much. Right. Yeah, they're, I don't. They're, nah, they're, not for but me. I'll tell you this: at Five Guys, they give you peanuts. I, see, I'll eat the peanuts rather than the fries. I would. I agree. Yes. And then, All right, and then no, McDonald's is number two. McDonald's is the king. I don't yeah, care what it is. Yeah, they should be number one. And then they have Shake Shack number one. Still. Yeah. Shake Shack, Shake Shack is the crinkly fries. I don't think they're yeah. actually that good. So, yeah, McDonald's I would say one. I would say McDonald's one. I actually think of that list, Arby's and Wendy's are, are better than anyone else's beyond McDonald's. So, there you go. Yeah. By the way, like here's the, the deal. Burger. I just I just retweeted. If you go to my Twitter, at Sedano, S-E-D-A-N-O, just a sidebar here on Radio Tinder. Um, a chef who said he couldn't decide between wings or pizza, and he made both. So he made a pizza, a cheese pizza, with buffalo wings on it, like actual buffalo wings in the pizza. Um, so if you look at my Twitter page, you'll see I'm it. I'm um, what, do, what do you think here? What do you Horrible. think of this? Horrible. Now, now here's the thing. If you took uh, wing, uh, boneless chicken tenders, boneless chicken wings, and you sliced them and you used them like pepperonis, I am all in on that. But the what? chicken wing with the bones, no good. The bone is weird. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't really slice a chicken, t- like a, a boneless wing, like a pepperoni. Oh, yes, pepperoni. you can. Yeah, you can. Okay. No, if not you that say thin. so. Not that yeah. thin, but, but you don't need it that thin. Like sausage? Like pieces of sausage? Right. I love that. Okay. Yeah. All right. I get that. I'm with you there. Yeah. Brionis, right. what do you think of this picture I tweeted? Nah, man. The wings on a pizza? No. Look at that. Yeah. Linz, no? Yeah. You're just asking to, like, choke on a chicken bone. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm not loving that. All right, go ahead, Linz. I'm sorry. You take over your game again. <laughs> All right, so uh, speaking of fast food, McDonald's Happy Meals are getting a little happier by going green. On Tuesday, McDonald's announced that they will drastically cut its use of plastic by the end of 2025. One way they'll do that is by replacing the 1 billion children's toys it sells each year with cardboard or recycled or plant-based plastics. By 2025, McDonald's also hopes to source 100% of guest packaging from renewal, recycled, or certified sources and to recycle all the packaging guests use in its restaurants. Are you guys conscientious about recycling and using environmentally friendly products? Swipe left or swipe right, Sedano? Uh, Swipe right. We do it uh, at this house. We have a separate trash for plastics and uh, cardboards and things of that nature. So we do take it. uh, We do our part here in my house. 
So you guys want me to be honest, or you guys want no, me no, to no. just tell I, you what you want to hear? I'm being I honest, and if you be don't honest. believe me, I'll go show you. I'll take a no, picture No, I of believe it. you completely. I yeah. do. I'm going to swipe left. because I've got a thought on this here. Okay, I, go I'm going to swipe left, and I'm going to start off with this. I liked it back in the old school when McDonald's had those styrofoam containers. <laughs> I liked them. Okay? Oh, that's I can, so bad. I can work with the box. It's okay. But I will admit, I have to admit this, my 14-year-old daughter is the most environmentally conscious person I know. All she cares about is being environmentally conscious, and I'm the guy who throws aluminum cans right in the garbage and then puts them in the gray can rather than the blue can. I know I shouldn't admit it. I know I can keep my mouth shut. I just can't help myself. I wish I was more. I'm just not as much of a recycler as I should be. I, I don't think that it's... The, the end of the world only because I recently discovered that a lot of the recycling programs and I don't know about L.A. And I'm sure that, you know, California is very environmentally friendly for the most part. Um, but back in the Midwest, you know, when I'm back home in Ohio, their recycling program is a sham. They found out they had like this I-team investigation by the local news place that they found out that, you know, these companies that these cities have like the residents pay all this money to for their recycling bins and their recycling programs. They're dumping stuff up at the same dump that the local garbage company is taking everything to. And they're not recycling it. They're all going into the same pile. So, like, yeah, they're trying to sort things, but it's not this big, you know, elaborate recycling program that they want everybody to think it is. So I think some of it is a bit of a a sham. Yeah, I've seen it uh, because it's not all recyclable. There's only certain things that are recyclable based and and they have little numbers, right, or whatever, Mm -hmm. on their decal or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen the report, but, you know, I, I mean, look, I'll just do what I got, what I can do, you know, and they can sort it out and figure it out later. I feel like with technology, they'll only get better at it. So, yeah, why not get yeah, in the habit should. of it? All right. Uh, and you know that one, there's a lot of things people don't even realize when you're recycling. Like if you take like an empty peanut butter container, you have to wash it out or like a pizza box. And if it's grease on it, it's not recyclable. Those are things that like I didn't know until someone explained that. that to me. Yeah. yeah. And so then when they get stuff like that in the recycling, they can't recycle it anyway. So, you know, it's a little little bit uh, of an issue. I'll just say this. When I was a little kid, we used to recycle soda cans, and then we would take them to the mall parking lot on the weekends and bring them in plastic bags, and then they'd weigh them, and then they'd give you money for your recycled cans. Now, I was into it when I was a kid. They would give me money for it. Nowadays, I just throw those soda cans right in the garbage. All right, I'm embarrassed. (laughs) I'm humiliated. I'm a a terrible person. I'm a horrible human being. (laughs) <laughs> All right, do we have time for one oh, more? Oh man, we're Mexican. Man. Mike Pops recycles bottles, cans, everything, and he That's has. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, he's got like six bags, like big black bags full of stuff. He takes them in. One time, he tried to cheat the system, putting little rocks in there, and then yeah. I guess they put them through a machine now, and yeah. it detects the rock, and it says no, reject it. Yep. I used to do it all the time, dude. I would put sand in the soda cans so yep. that they yep. would weigh more. Yeah. That's amazing. All right, do we have time for another one? Yeah, one more. Go Come ahead. On. One more. Give us one more. All right. Coco Austin is getting hit with backlash for allowing her five-year-old daughter, Chanel Nicole, to wear nail tips, you know, plastic fake nails, for her class photo. On Thursday night, the model and wife of rapper Ice-T shared photos of their daughter looking all adorable in her little white shirt and red cardigan and her matching hair bows. And she wrote, school picture day on the caption. But a lot of commenters, while they many of them praise the little girl for her cute little look, a lot of them were also not thrilled about Chanel's nail art, saying that at only five years old, she's way too young to be wearing fake nails. Do you guys agree with the Instagram critics? Swipe left or swipe right, Cap? 
I'm swiping left, and I'm going to disagree with the Instagram critics. You know what, man? Let everybody do their own thing. If you really want to get upset at people for what they do with their kids, go watch those ridiculous reality shows where they have these kids doing all kinds of stupid things. And I wish I could come up with which, which ones they are. Where What was the one with the boo-boo? Like honey boo-boo. Honey, honey boo-boo is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, like, like, like go, go beat up on those people. These guys are they're rich, they're famous, they're fashionable, and they're like little kids like, Mom, I want to have fingernails just like you. So they, they what do they call those? Acrylics? Is that what they do? I don't know. Yeah, yeah but this at five years old, she's probably wearing press on nails. Oh, probably press not, on. Not so cool. come on, it's yeah. like costume yeah. stuff. Give her a break. Yeah. All right. That is Radio Tinder each and every day at five thirty here on this very show. So there you have it. Don't forget big deal or no deal coming up at six thirty. But coming up next. Woo! Big blowout story about how USC crashed the, quote, friggin' Ferrari. Bruce Feldman, Antonio Morales blowing it up on what the hell happened during the Clay Helton era. We'll get to that coming up in just a second. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. (laughs) Did you have a captain's hat? I don't know about a captain's hat because if you remember... Captain Steubing, yes, you know, he had a bald head he liked to show off, especially Saturday nights when everybody was wearing a tuxedo and having dinner. You should get so lucky to be invited to the captain's dinner. Yeah. But I did have a big crush on Julie McCoy. Oh, yeah. And the cruise director. Correct. And for everybody that likes to bust my chops about my point, that is straight out of the Isaac the bartender pointing classes. You know, because remember at the beginning of the show, they show you Isaac and he's got on that red like half a sport jacket, you know, ends yeah. at the waist. And he looks right. at you and he gives you that point because he had yeah. that cool Fu Manchu mustache. I loved the Love Boat. Yeah. Love Boat was love great. Boat. There was always, uh, clearly the whole thing was based on fun cameos every week. Soon we'll be making another run. The Love Boat. Yeah. I've never Can been we just isolate that and just run that back like in the loop for the rest of the show today? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> You know what was great about the love boat is yeah. after the love boat was over, you know what came on after that, don't you? No, I don't remember. Well, because I was a little kid and I would stay up late on Saturday nights. The love boat would end and then the plane, the plane, boss. Oh, Fantasy Island. Right. Yeah. Ricardo Montalban. Sí, muy bien. Quien es más macho? Yeah, Ricardo Montalban. Um, Ricardo Montalban uh, was a fantastic villain in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Hmm. You've never seen that movie? I have, but I don't really remember that. But I'm Unbelievable looking. villain in that movie. Ricardo Montalban. Kirk. There was, a, there was a bit on SNL. Quien es más guapo? Is that how it was? Mm-hmm. Quien es más guapo? Ah, whatever. Anyway, Ricardo Montalban. Unbelievable. Unbelievable villain in that movie. Fantastic. Kirk. Revenge is a dish. Best served cold, my friend. <laughs> uh, it was a great line. Uh, very good. Very, Soon very we'll good be making another run. The love boat. Oh yeah. yeah. 
You see yeah. the way I put a little flair into that, though? The love boat. One more time. Soon we'll be making another run. Yeah. You're really proud of that. Oh, I'm very proud of it because it's like my own arrangement. You know what I mean? Like I put a little flair into it. You know, there's the standard, the love boat. But you see the way I do it is the love boat. Soon we'll be making another run. The love boat. See? A little flair. It's pretty good, right? You guys got it. I mean, if that's what you want to call it is flair. Okay. All right. Whatever. Woo. Like Ric Flair. Styling and profiling. I don't think you can use that anymore. Yeah. Rick Flair's been canceled. Yeah. He has? He has? <laughs> oh, yeah. Rick yeah, he got canceled, canceled like two days ago. What did he do? Flair. I guess there was some, some revelations about some things that he did during the plane ride from hell that were revealed on that Vice documentary, and they were not so great. And so now, like, WWE's, like, scrubbed them from everything. And Wait a second. Yeah. I had no what? idea. Google it. Google it. It's a big thing. Trust me, I'm, I'm disappointed. Heard... I love Ric Flair. I've not heard oh, Cap. any of It's all over this. the internet. It's all over the internet. It's been all over social media. Wow. Apparently, it's not like his only transgression as far as in, in that whole world. I don't know. So it, obviously, I don't want to believe it. I hope it's not true. But when WWE starts pulling people and their name. Yeah, that's never a good website, sign. Yeah. yeah. They did that with Hulk Hogan, remember, when he had yeah. that uh, incident with the racial stuff. So yeah. you know, where he was saying oh, wow. things that he should never be saying. Uh, so I don't blame the WWE there. Um, and you know, I, I'm just looking at the, uh, if I'm just looking at the kind of the summary of this story. And if any of this is true, yeah, I get why they would do that. Wow. I just completely missed this story. I'm a huge Ric Flair. I did too, though. And normally I would, uh, mock you for something like that, but I have, I didn't see that either to be honest. So the love boat. Yeah. Let's get back to the love boat. Much better. Uh, I, you know, let's just definitely go back to the love boat. So anyhow, um, something that was not the love boat was Clay Helton's steering of USC football. Um, it was not done well. Bruce Feldman, Antonio Morales with a story in the athletic, just, I mean, tons of detail from former players, former coaches, parents of the kids, um, you know, coaches from around the, uh, the area, and just everyone being like, hey, Clay's a nice guy, but this thing was a complete disaster. If you thought it was bad, it is way worse than that, Cap. What I can't believe is, and I, I say I can't believe it, I don't mean that I don't believe what was published. It's just that it's hard for me to really fathom. You're a head coach of one of the most storied programs in the history of college football in one of the biggest media markets on the planet. How could you ever allow someone to be on your coaching staff who, and I'm putting this in quotes, refuses to recruit. Recruiting is as important as coaching at the college level. Hey, is he a, a, a good defensive backs coach? Yeah, he's a pretty good defensive backs coach, but he's a phenomenal recruiter. I mean, I'm serious when I say this, that recruiting is equally as important as coaching. And to have guys on your staff who, according to the story, say, I don't recruit. Really? You're a college football coach at USC. What do you mean you don't recruit? Because if you work for me at USC, you either recruit or you don't have a job. Right. I've yeah, it's pretty simple. This. Yeah, no. it is pretty simple. But that was Clancy Pendergrass, the former defensive coordinator. So, um, yeah, it, it got really, really, really bad. Really bad. And now all those things we were talking about, about how the kids, the local kids – 
didn't want to come here because of Clay. And again, nice man, but they just didn't feel like he had this thing humming in the right direction. Um, we've seen kind of the downfall. Now, it's funny because Dante Williams has kind of saved their last two recruiting classes after just crashing and burning in 2018, where they were like the 64th ranked uh, recruiting class or something. Dante Williams has gotten them back closer to that. And you could see there's like, when you watch their roster and you look at guys on this roster, there are guys who've been there for a minute who aren't competing, like for jobs. And it's why they had to go with transfers uh, for a couple of these kids, like Taj Washington, I believe is from Memphis. Um, there, there are a number of transfers on this team. I there's a lot of transfers in general, but that that's usually not a USC thing. You know what I mean? Where they're picking up transfers from Memphis. <laughs> you know, right. like that's not – but that goes to show you how bereft of talent they've been here um, recently. If you can transfer from Memphis to USC and actually get on the field, yeah. then, yeah, there's kind of an issue. There, right. there's, there, there's a talent problem. Now, here's what I would do if I were Dante Williams. Well, first of the things I would do is I'd try and win every game. Because if you win every game, you've got a legitimate claim to the USC athletic department. Hey, look, I just I just won every game as the interim head coach. So I'm a good coach, and this, this team performed for me. So that's my number one thing. If I'm Dante Williams, I want to try and win out, okay? And the schedule, as I've talked about, is it's kind of favorable. It's just there is no Oregon. There is no Washington. Not that Washington's any good this year. But the second thing I would do is if I were Dante Williams is this, is – if they're going to go out and hire somebody else as a head coach who's a name guy, because, George, that's one of the other things that they talked about in this article, is that, you know, Clay Helton couldn't follow up Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney and anybody else who's considered a superstar of college football. He just couldn't walk in the house and impress anybody. Just his name value wasn't there. If I'm Dante Williams, I'm going to leverage the fact that I'm the best recruiter there is on this staff. So you know what? Call me recruiting coordinator, call me assistant head coach, uh, call me defensive coordinator, whatever it is you want to call me. I want to make a whole lot more money because I'm going to help the new head coach continue the recruiting that I've already built here in the last two years. I mean, there's there's leverage here for Dante Williams, whether he gets the head coaching job or he doesn't. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to win. You know, you win out, you have a shot. That's what I would say. But if you haven't a chance to read this thing, like there are a lot of stories in there from uh, why they lost out on Bryce Young to um, the the kid Thibodeau at Oregon. And just it, it's going to make you mad, but at least it's going to make you think, well, at least better late than never on moving on from Clay. As nice a man as he was, he just had this thing running like a country club and not getting the, the kids that are difference makers. Um, so, you know, it, we'll, we'll see what happens kind of moving forward. But. Uh, certainly all your worst nightmares come to realization in print. But again, at least now they are looking to the future. But what Feldman and Antonio Morales in the story have said, Cap, very simply before we go to break, is this isn't the traditional USC team that the new coach is inheriting where there's been talent for right. the previous coaches, right. despite having numerous coaches over the last several years since Pete Carroll. This is going to have to be built more so from the bottom than, than before, right? This is yeah. more of a Pete situation than it was a lane uh, situation or whatever, Ed Orgeron for the, during the interim time, or even Clay when he took over. Yeah, I right. also thought it was interesting. They talked about players that were recruited that yeah. really didn't fit their system, but they were just recruiting because they had a brand or a reputation yeah. you know, with recruiters. Yeah. I thought that was also yeah. interesting. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. 
That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.